Welcome once again, everyone, to the Living the Grace Life podcast. This episode number 21, and we've got a special guest that we'll be hearing from. As always, I am in studio here in Sarasota, Florida, with the senior pastor of Grace Life Church, Joe Davis. Joe, how are you, you today? Know, I got a you bone look, to pick with you, Jim. But the, the, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't have a bone to pick with you today. <laughs> I was like, that was fast. I was <laughs> like, just in kidding. The intro, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm excited about today's show, and and it's gonna we're gonna have a good time. Yeah, we got a great. I'm I'm really excited as well. It's always great. I just think our shows when we bring in people that have not only just a new frame of mind or something that they're bringing to the table, but here. We're going to get a chance to go back a little bit and learn a lot about what it was when you were a younger pastor and some of the behind the scenes. I think that's always great for yeah. people to see that. Yeah, and we'll go back a little bit to the time that uh, really shaped what kind of pastor I became when we went through our tragedy with Sarah, and Pastor Dan's going to be here, Dan Olson. Yeah, that's going to be great. And I met Dan. He actually came by Grace Life. I think that was a few months ago. When yeah, he was. It was. Here in town. He didn't like you as much, but you know, <laughs> no, I'm just that's kidding. how he knew he was a good guy. So, uh, Dan, by the way, is the founding pastor of New Hope Church on Long Island. That's in Westbury. I was in Westbury actually for about a year, so I know it well. And he's been in full time pastoral ministry for over twenty years. So, yeah, we really yep. look forward to. Uh, Hearing from him, we are going to wrap up chapter six of your book. Now, we've referred to it as simply dogs, but actually it's beware of dogs. Correct. We should probably toss that in. Yes, we should. We should. <laughs> so the people know we are going to be looking for what it is in chapter six. There's some questions, and that's what I love about this book, Joe. You get a chance to go in and really be able to reflect not only on what we've learned in that chapter, but in the chapters previously. So mm. that'll be great. If you're just joining us for the first time, be sure to get your copy of The Grace Life, What Philippians Teaches Us About Loving One Another Relentlessly. You can pick that up on Amazon or simply Google it, find it wherever you can. There's an audio book as well. So you can join us and go all the way back to podcast one if you want. Have you ever done that, Joe? Just go back to one That's and listen That's all to, I do with my free time cert- is listen to, to our podcast. Them. That's put them all on. I do. Do, you, do you go straight through, or do you put them on like what's it? Shuffle. Well, I know which ones were really good, so I pick out those. <laughs> all of particularly them, right? the segments where I shine the most is the ones I try to. No, I'm just kidding. Well, the way that happens is our studio technician, yeah. the man behind the scenes yeah. at Jump Dog Audio Productions, he's the one that makes the episodes what they are. Wayne, how are you back there in studio? I'm, I'm doing fantastic, Jim. Thank you so much. <laughs> He's, I've never What's seen so Wayne. Funny? Why is he so excited? I don't know. I think I got. I was excited, and that got Wayne excited. Yeah, well, uh, you guys do excite me. This well, is about this is about this as is... excited as he gets, though. That's true. You know? We don't know that for sure. Well, in here, <laughs> anyway. So. Yes, for sure. Wayne makes it happen, and I tell you, it's been, uh, I can't believe it's been over a year since we've been doing the podcast. <coughs> is now, it a year? So I think so. Is it? No, I it thought we started like last January or something, but. No. No? Didn't we talk about it over, no, it's been, I think, at least, we're going to, you're the one that said you went back and listened to all the shows. You'll have to tell me when you go back and, I will. and listen and I see will. which episode it was. But we're excited. We're going to be doing uh, all of that. And if you have a question, you want to be sure to email us. That's Living the Grace Life Podcast, Living the Grace Life Podcast at gmail.com. If we read it on air, you'll get a copy of Joe's book, 
All of that is coming up in episode 21 of the Living the Grace Life podcast. Joe, I'm really excited today. This it seems like on our episodes, we're just we are so lucky to get mm. so many of the people, not just that are bringing us all different types of new ways of thinking and ways to take your book and look at it, but today we have someone who really is a behind the scenes look mm-hmm. at some of the most the most important times of your life. So we have on the line Dan Olson. Dan is the founding pastor of New Hope Church on Long Island. That's in New York, Westbury, for fans who know the Long Island scene there. It's just outside of Queens. He's been in full-time pastoral ministry for almost 23 years now, since Mm -hmm. 96. Some of you may recognize the name. He was the person who wrote the foreword to your book. We brought him up a few episodes (laughs) ago. Yes, several times I was asking, why did he do that? Next thing you know, here he is. Dan, also a theological reader for the Learning Bible, published by the American Bible Society, and he proofread a number of works for Tyndale Publishing. That is awesome. And you may have heard us talk about him, like we said. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. How are you? Oh, my pleasure. Doing well. Yeah. Glad to join you guys. It's good to have you here too, brother. And we just wanted to, what we wanted to do today is we wanted to take an opportunity just to talk a little bit about a certain component of the grace life. You know, I've talked about you in the book. You wrote the foreword, but there's particular parts in there where I spoke about you because you and your family had a tremendous impact on my wife and my son and I during the worst time in our life when we lost Sarah. And I say all the time to people that uh, my pastor during that time was Dan Olson. You relentlessly served our family. Uh, I remember those two weeks, you were working 90 hours a week. And when was this, Joe? So Sarah was your daughter, and what year was this? This was 2007. We are just a week removed from the anniversary. That's right. And so it's fitting that we have Dan on today for that. And so um, I just wanted to have, you know, I know you got some questions for him, but I just wanted to make people, make sure people know how much affection I have for this man, this brother in Christ and his family. So go ahead. Great. That's great, Joe. Dan, I'm sure that time, um, you know, when we talk about crisis and how we deal with it, much of the time, I don't think anyone knows until crisis actually hits mm-hmm. as to what uh, what will happen. What do you recall about that time? And what is it that... Uh, what what were you thinking? What uh, just kind of take us back there uh, as to what was happening then? Well, uh, what happened was Sarah was on her way to my house, Jim, to babysit. Oh wow! My wife and I were going out for our anniversary, and uh, and Sarah is always punctual and responsible and all the things you want in a babysitter, it didn't show up. And we, uh, uh, we reached out and, uh, and then that's, that's when we learned, uh, about the accident. And, uh, I was on the phone with Joe and then he was, didn't live too far away. So I was over there right away and, uh, you know, kind of on the scene. Um, that's, 
that's when everything unfolded. And I, let me let me uh, ask a question too. So Dan, after all that part, you know, and and then we start going through the planning of the memorial and we do all that stuff. Um, you had an ability to love us through deed, uh, like like we have never been loved before. And I know that you have done the same thing for so many other people. As a pastor who is, and I've told people all the time, there are a lot of pastors out there. Some of them are great teachers or whatever, and you're a good teacher, but what you really are is you're just a world-class shepherd. So why don't we talk, because this is a big part of the grace life, kind of give us some insight into how you as a pastor see the responsibility of shepherding people through crisis, and just kind of give us an idea of what that means to you. Well, in terms of Sarah's accident and and everything that uh, that went on, I mean, what I did is I went to the hospital with with you, and and uh, as I remember, I ended up uh, you know picking up Chad from the from the uh, train station, yep. and just uh, kind of didn't leave you leave you out of my sight. Um, <laughs> uh, as we were going along mm-hmm. and, um, I just, you know, tried to, tried to get next to you and, uh, uh, and, and, and be there, you know, be, uh, be flesh where I know God was there with you, but I needed to be a brother right next to you. And I've seen you do that same thing for so many other people since then. It's not like your ministry of mercy in a time of crisis started and ended with me. You clearly had done it before, uh, and you've done it since. Give us some insight as to what you think the responsibility we have as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to be there for one another in a time of crisis, because this is what this is a huge part of the grace life, right? So just give me some thoughts of what you think Scripture teaches how we're supposed to love one another in these times. Well, listen, I, I live on Long Island. I live in a just a crazy, busy world everywhere and i think that's that's life in america too uh we are we are so busy we have so much going on we have our schedules we have our plans we have uh, and we're always behind and when 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 things happen in the grace life you you just stop hmm. there are times you just you stop and you let go and you need to drop what you're doing to be with a brother hmm. to be right next to somebody and to walk through them, through a difficult thing with them. And so we, I mean, just as you bring this up, Joe, I'm choking up because we went through that together. You know what I mean? And so there's, uh, as I remember the accident, as I remember being in the hospital, as I remember having your family over and, and having people, uh, uh, I think it was after the funeral over, over to the house, we just created a bunch of space uh, in our in our in our calendar, and mm-hmm. just said, you know, you, you be here, and 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 we would we would be there with you, and and uh, um, you just you just stop, you just interrupt these things, That's and you put relationships first. Yeah, that you know, and how so? Explain, Dan, how you do that in the sense of, I can imagine people, like you're saying, super busy, just stopping is hard enough. But then um, what do you then do or say? Like I've seen 
uh, a video that says empathy is not giving me the quick fix or telling me how I can make this right, but jumping in the hole with the person who is suffering and just saying, I'm here. I don't know what to do, but I'm here. And it, it feels like for so many people that knowing what to say or what to do, even if they stop, is the trick because no one wants to say something wrong, yeah, yeah. but they want to be like, they're like, there's, so this do is you say nothing? This is or something Dan's you, really good at. Yeah, I so. mean, or do you say, what, what, Sometimes what do you do? Sometimes the best thing you can do is say nothing, Jim. Sometimes the best thing you can do is is put your arm around somebody, holding their hand, or, or just sit in a chair and just be there. Um, I've, and I, I've done that with a lot of people. And some, sometimes when we start our, our mind and our mouth, and sometimes it's our mouth before our mind, <laughs> we end up going in all sorts of places that, that aren't helpful. And then we, and then that's when we throw out Romans eight twenty eight, which I am, which I love. I mean, that, that is a that is that is a a wonderful truth of God's word. But you throw that out to someone who's who's hemorrhaging inside, and it just seems like trite and glib. Mm. All things work together for those who love God, for those who are the called according to His purpose. You're right, and that that can be. Uh, people don't realize that sometimes that's. Yeah, it's true, and it is a wonderful truth, but sometimes it's not a good time not to hear time, it. Not the time, right? You know what else I've noticed? So you talked about being there for a brother, Dan, and that's true. And I've seen you do that not just in my life, but in others' lives as well. But I've also seen you do something else, and that you have been there like you were for me for people you didn't even know that well. Uh, I know that you're our chaplain for the New Hyde Park Fire Department, and so you've been in those situations too. I've seen you have this component of the grace life displayed for those you don't even know. So tell me about some of the impact that has had that you've seen as a pastor in the community that you've seen when you've done that. It's, it's a matter of uh, kind of sensitizing ourselves to say, you know, here are people who are hurting. Here are people in need. Here are people who need, need someone to come alongside them. And then to hopefully spill over the grace of God in the midst of pain in the midst of difficulty, that that gives you an opportunity to minister. Um, I will run across people that I've been able to come alongside in crisis. Mm. I see them two, three, four years later. They light up, and mm. I know that what I did, and it's not you know like ooh look what I did, but it's right. it's just to to stop, to pause, to be there, to feel, to. Um, to create a place for them to talk or, or whatever, it, it means so much. It means so much to them. And so, yes, there's, uh, in the course of, I think we've, I've been chaplain for about 10 years, and there's, there have been a number of opportunities uh, to, to help with people that I don't, don't know at all. Now, how did you, so was this modeled for you, Dan, or did you have sort of a mentor or did you see it done in other places and go, okay, I, um, I, 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 I was just wondering how you, because a lot of people have empathy or have compassion, but then in this moment, there is that, oh no, what, what do I do? Did you, 
Did you learn from someone who, did you get to see it in action? Was it something that just innately came? Was it through just mindfulness and prayer? How, how did you get that skill set? Good question. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think some of that comes from a theology of, of fellowship. Um, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about life together. Jim just had a big um, smile on his face. He loves Bonhoeffer, but go ahead, continue on. Is, isn't he just the best? Oh, my gosh. Well, second and best. So, uh, you know, if you haven't read, uh, you know, right after Grace Life, then uh, go read Life Together. Life Together. It is, oh. a, it is a fantastic oh. book, and you have to go through it slowly, and you have to go through it with other people and talk mm. about it, hmm. not just read the words on the page. That's, uh, that, that is a, a terrific uh, book. But... Uh, this is part of what I think it's a little bit of, of, of what I had growing up in church. Uh, and, and so I've tried to live that. And then as I've provided leadership for new hope church, we want to be a place where, uh, you know, people who are hurt, people who are disconnected, people who are, uh, troubled can, uh, can find a, a, a place to connect. And so, uh, it's part of it is my spiritual gift for shepherding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's an amalgamation of a number of things, Well, but I, I know that the church doesn't do this as much as it should. Exactly. That's why, that, that's, yeah. that's why we're talking about it. That's why we're talking about it. People in the church to just kind of have their eyes open. I mean, uh, think about the, the people that walked by the guy uh, that was mugged in, in, in Jesus story, you know, and, and it was the Samaritan that, that stopped. It was mm. the Samaritan that was willing to be interrupted and, uh, and to, to say, well, I don't necessarily have some social obligation to do something, but uh, it, it's the right thing to do. The other thought of it is this, if not us as children of God who have been saved by grace, who else is going to be better qualified to do this for people in crisis except for people who understand the theology? I love what you said about the theology of fellowship. It is so important. It is really the epitome of what the grace life is about. And and I think what, what happens is, is that God saves you. You were asking, Jim, where it comes from mm-hmm. for Dan. I can also add to where I've seen it come from in my brother, Dan. It is an evidence, a clear evidence of God transforming him and turning him into what people need. He is the best triage pastor I can ever think of. Mm, And mm. that's what he is. And so if, you know, I have learned so much as a pastor, I've had to be there in time of crisis for other families. And I got to tell you, before Dan's ministry to our family, uh, I look back and I think, man, I was really bad at this triage pastoring thing because I learned so much. I didn't know I was learning at the time, but I was in I was in school with the way he loved our family. And so in return, I've been able to take those lessons and apply them for other people in our fellowship who've gone through hard times. And what happens is we as people who are living the grace life must raise the bar. We raise the standard of how we love people in crisis. It's not just a sad emoji on Facebook. Like Dan said something that was very important. Dan, I love when you said this, you created space in your calendar. And I can tell you, you did create a ton of space. And at some point, I was beginning to wonder, how is he here for me so much? I mean, I really remember saying that. And in addition, I can't imagine how many things you actually protected me from, from other people who wanted a piece. 
like there was also this 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 um, barrier you set up around our family too. It wasn't just you being inside the barrier; you were protecting us in so many ways. And so, I just want to say that as well. So, wow, that's that's amazing to hear how, and it's all happening. It's all breaking news, and I think that's the thing that people find the most difficult is it's in that time of crisis. Well, Dan may not know the so Sarah, her best friend was named, who worked at Sarasota Hospital. Yeah, Michelle. Michelle. Mm-hmm. So Sarah's best friend just so happens when my daughter gets uh, pregnant by surprise, finds out she's seven months pregnant when we land here in Sarasota, and she comes, Joe is the one who is there for me and says, listen, you've got to go Go see, go to Sarasota Memorial. We go to the hospital. My daughter has the baby that she gives up for adoption. This girl walks in, does something with my daughter, leaves, and writes on the board, my name is Michelle. That's an awesome story. It was her. Yeah. Did you know about that story, Dan? Isn't that wild? (laughs) I didn't know that. That's awesome. Right? And and to think, so here's Joe, in a way, modeling what you're saying, Dan, is to me, when I'm like, I don't know what to do. My daughter's 20. This is like, (laughs) I really have no idea. So do, do you think about, I guess, at times that you're modeling of this, because it sounds like to you, it feels like almost like like an honor, like you're witnessing something mm-hmm. and you're able Good to question. hold it like a container for that person, both on the inside and then protect them from the outside. Uh, I mean, does it, it must almost feel in a way, it does it, how does it feel to hear someone know the impact that you've made on their life and that they have then in turn watched what you did mm-hmm. and done the same for someone else well that is that is tremendously encouraging absolutely uh and something that you know we want uh everyone at uh at grace life everyone at new hope everyone in churches to to kind of uh you know receive as as they need it and then and then to pass that on and uh you know you'll have an opportunity to do that uh as you go forward Hmm. That's great. You know, one thing, one it's really weird in our podcast series, the most popular series so far that we've had has been on grief, which is interesting because we ended up extending that series on grief. And I just read something online. This, I, this was something it says, uh, this was something I just read online before I came in. It says, we are conditioned to run from our pain, to avoid it, mm. to medicate it, to numb it out. We are taught to see pain as something bad. But pain is a messenger from the body and contains vital information. Avoidance of pain only increases it. And I'm wondering, so Dan, when you go through and you're with the, the people who are struggling here in triage and, 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 and having these breaking new situations, do you, with their pain, what a lot of people want to make that pain go away. Like, it'll be fine, don't worry, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think and do with someone's pain when you're there for them? Well, especially as it relates to grieving, uh, the pain of mourning, I tell people this is going to take a long time. Mm. This is not, you know, you can't pull out a Band-Aid box and, and expect that you're going to say the word that makes it all better. Mm. Um, I tell them that, that mourning and grieving is a journey and 
it 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 takes it takes uh, months and months and months. And uh, though there are times when the the hurt is raw, and and almost and sometimes uh, it, it's almost too much to bear. Hmm. Other times it's an ache. Uh, it's it, it, grieving will come up on you like uh, uh, in places you don't expect. Hmm. And so, um, I, and I try to encourage people to understand this is how it's going to go. Um, and, and there's, there's not a, unfortunately it's, it's, there's no, there's no immediate book to read to fix that or, a, a, you know, something to recite or a verse or, or what have you. Part of it is, is experiencing the pain, experiencing the loss mm. and, uh, and sorting through that a bit. And so it is nice to, to, when, when we have people around us that we can, you know, where if, if, if things are difficult, we don't have to put on airs. We don't have to keep up appearances. That's right. We can just kind of put it out there. Yeah. Well, and, and this, this is, is where I am. And this is what's so important. This is a, this is a key element. This is why I really wanted to do this this episode with Dan. This is a key element for our listeners to really understand what it means when we say living the grace life. Because mm, right. a lot of times we Other think about ask, we think about yeah. grace being you know grace. I love grace. I love grace. I love grace. No part of living the grace life is extending it, extending grace and mercy to others when they are suffering, because here's what we do know, the time that we are most able to learn are those moments when we are brought to our knees. And to have brothers in Christ like like you or like Dan there to help lift up when that happens, it is so important to life. So Dan, I want you to, I know you got a, a busy afternoon and I want you to be able to get back to it, but I want you to know how much we appreciate you being on the show today and extending to us some of the thoughts that you had during that time. And uh, I think this is going to be a powerful podcast, this particular episode. I'm really looking forward to your people in New Hope hearing it so they know more about just how incredibly lucky they are to have a pastor like you. It, again, it's an honor to, to be part of this discussion, and I appreciate uh, the, 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 the relationship that we've had, Joe, the, the love we have as, as brothers. Um, and to be able to walk through uh, life together. Love you, brother. Thank you so much for calling in. You too. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. to be tough to go back and think does it get does it get easier to go back does it get i like where dan said time right is going to change the way things are thought about but to me right. that would not make something necessarily easier maybe you find a home for it so, what how does that work so here's here's what makes it so um exquisitely sweet yet painful so it's not it's never easier but it becomes different Right. Now, when I go back there, right. and I and I knew Dan, we wanted Dan to go back to that moment right. from his perspective, right. looking in. And I think it's important because this is where we are able to teach people about real life 
And this is, and so what happens is every time we go back there, I know that the story is so powerful, particularly from what he was sharing, that it can have an impact on those who hear this episode. They are going to hear, they're going to be able to relate to something they've gone through. And they are going to either, Mm -hmm. one of two things, they're either going to say, man, I remember somebody that did that for me, that Dan Mm -hmm. did for Joe. Mm -hmm. Or they might be saying, man, I wish I had somebody like that. Maybe I need to be that for other people. And my hope is that what Dan's story does is it inspires us to be there full bore for those that go through crisis, those right. who we love, and maybe those who we don't know very well that God brings into our life. I didn't know you at all. I know. When you went I through this, I had no idea it. who you it were. It was all breaking. That's the thing, right? It's all breaking news. I learned that from Dan. It's all happening. At, and there's no, like, I, I know, knew you how long? A week? Not Maybe not even. I mean, it was, it was so unbelievable to know. And like you were saying, it, it almost... To experience it and to see someone do it for you and to model. So there you had someone kind of model it for you for Dan. Um, and in my case, you modeled it for me. And it, it almost makes it because I know my wife's best friend, she had, she's just lost her mom. And she gave the eulogy and she said, people come up. She's like, I don't want to be rude, but people come up and they say the craziest things when they're trying to comfort you. Yeah, they don't know what They say the worst things that could possibly come to mind. But we we kind of all inherently do that because there's an uncomfortable feeling. Awkward, it's hard. It's, right. Yeah. But isn't that, in a sense, the part of the pain? Like when Dan said, you have to stop everything, which in today's technology world is almost do. impossible. And then it's almost what you don't say versus what you say. It's your presence that's felt in the same way that prayer, in the same way that that the spirit, in the same way that the in the same way groans. That's why Romans eight twenty eight I think would not work. Like he's saying, there's just groans that you, you must hear, right? Yeah, and you know what's interesting is Dan was so good at listening for those those groans, and I know that there are at one point I just said uh, when people were asking about stuff. What can we do or whatever? I would just say, talk to Dan. He must have fielded 100, 150 people on our behalf saying, yes, this would be good. No, this won't be good. Yeah, do that. Or, yeah. And so he became he became a protective gatekeeper for us in that respect. And what happens is, is when you're in that position, that whenever you're in a position for somebody like that, that is a God-appointed position. Hmm. And this is what we have to recognize. So right. And in the example of the grace life, um, the Philippians had become that for Paul. Paul was in crisis. He was facing death. Right. And execution. And they kept loving and sharing and giving and caring. And that's why he, that's why when you see in Philippians 1, how he says, I thank God every time I remember you, it's right for me to feel this way. Exactly. He felt that way about them because of the way they loved him. And that's the reason I can say the same thing about Dan. Every time I think about him, I thank God for him. And isn't it amazing that it's not necessarily about the exact, like here, Paul, it's the church he's trying to create. Like Dan talked about the story of the Samaritan. So here's a deal. Like you have on page 85 on the chapter six workbook questions here. Why does bad theology prevent us from experiencing all the benefits of the grace life? I mean, you couldn't get a better example of a Samaritan, someone who was not even a part of the theology of what was happening at the time, and they are the ones that embody 
the grace life. It has everything to do with heart and everything mm-hmm. to do with compassion and caring. And it's this love. But can it be taught, I guess, because in the story of the Samaritan, the Samaritan comes along, sees no one else is doing and you know, the, the amazing part of that story is then he he takes the injured person to the inn and then says, I'll pay for anything. they." I mean, there's so much involved with this. I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to say, hey, you're okay. And then bye. Like you're all in. That's what you're, I think, saying on the grace life. So someone has to like, Dan's still your friend. He's still making an impact. Is that what it means? Grace life. You got to stay all in all yeah, the time. See- we're really good at finding ways to be Christians on the cheap. And this is this is the problem. You can't be there in a crisis for someone on the cheap. By cheap, I'm not talking about just money you spend. I'm talking about time and energy. And so in the end, uh, this is the type of role that we are supposed to play in our world. And if we're not able to do it uh, or willing to do it to some degree— There's a problem here. I I don't see how you can say that you're a follower of Jesus and then not be willing to be all in. Here's what I'll tell you. Looking back, the moment Dan interjected into our lives the way he needed to, even though it was still painful, I can say that that is exactly when the healing process started. Huh. Makes sense. So he, in a sense, he was a Band-Aid. Right. But he was so much more than that. And that's when the healing started. Yeah. And in that process, like you said, it can't just be, okay, I said what I needed to say a Sunday morning, and I hope they're better. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I can't stand that when I see that all the time. (laughs) But I think people do have a good intent when they say that. But I just don't know then, like what I try to do is write the prayer like if I say, I'll pray for you, that's whatever. But I say, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I put down two or three sentences. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's like, that is a prayer. It is. Right then and there. Mm-hmm. And at least then we're, because exp- it seemed like to me, Dan saying, we have to experience it together. Correct. And you don't get a second shot at that. Mm-hmm. Like with Dan being there the time, like wh- when you recall and look back, do you remember Dan's presence more than what he said? You know, the best memory I have, when I think back to that time, he did a lot of stuff, right? Right. But the memory I think of the most is it was a it was a couple of days after the accident, and we were getting ready for the memorial. And then one day, it was just in the evening, and Dan was over at the house, and we were down in the basement watching The Office together. Huh. And we're just watching The Office. Yeah. He was sitting down, and I said, do you got to go? He goes, nope, I'm here. We watched like three or four episodes together. He was just sitting there on the couch with me. We were laughing at a couple of episodes. They were good scenes. Yep. And I just couldn't believe he was there for two and a half hours watching TV with me. And that that is one of the most memorable moments of his triage pastoring for us. It's crazy. What, what you just said, when my daughter Mira was pregnant, her favorite series is The Office. And we would just sit there and we would watch The <laughs> Office we would laugh and we would, and I just put, I just got one of the guy who's the accountant, Kevin is his name, I think. He's going to do like a text. I hope she's not listening. He's going to do like a text message for her birthday. But I'll, I'll never forget. You told me as I was going through that crisis, you said, look, I would kill to have my daughter be pregnant. You said those words straight to me. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, can't believe it. Hmm. 
made a big impact. And that's what it means, right? When you're there for someone, yep. when you say something like that. That's the grace life, man. So. Unbelievable. Well, Joe, this was a great show. This was amazing. We want to thank Dan Olson, who was our guest. Uh, this will be episode 21, if you're counting at home. So be sure, if you have a question, email us at livingthegracelife, livingthegracelifepodcast at gmail.com. Episode 22, we're going to take a week off. So we'll be yep. coming back for episode 22. So we look forward to that. But whatever you do when you're out there, and hopefully this show more than anything else, I want to thank Joe, I want to thank Wayne, and make sure whatever you do each and every day, keep looking to Christ so he can keep you living the grace life.